0: Over the past year, I've been on a healing adventure. I've spent the past 12 months recovering from brain fog, pain, and chronic fatigue. Like any good adventure story, there have been highs and lows, losses and gains, and an incredible amount of personal growth and lessons learned. This journey has made me a better health practitioner and a more empathetic coach. To add more meaning to my experience, I wanted to create something that would help others to increase their energy, clear their mind, and restore their health. I created the Brain Fog Bible. The Brain Fog Bible is a 47-page guide that covers what I call the low-hanging fruit. It explores the most important areas to be assessed and addressed if you want more from life, but your brain and your body are holding you back. You can grab a copy at brainfogbible.com forward slash download. That's brainfogbible.com forward slash download. I believe one of the
1: most important things that we can do is give ourselves the gift of truly nourishing the soul through time spent in self-inquiry, moments that still the mind and practices that light us up and allow us to reconnect to the child within Move, Breathe, Create is a platform that celebrates soul nourishment. Move your body to get out of your head. Breathe to give yourself mental clarity and calm. Create without expectation to fuel your inspiration and delight your senses. Come and join us over at movebreathecreate.com and use the code kombucha for your first month free.
0: I'm looking forward to seeing you inside the community. From a young age, I was passionate about nutrition and helping people with their health. When I started practicing in the field, I realized that physiology and psychology are intimately intertwined. Some of my clients just needed to know what to do to feel better. And many of my clients knew what they should be doing, they just weren't doing it. Underneath it all, unconscious conditioning was getting in the way of their success. This drove me to uplevel my skill set and coach my clients to remove some of their mental roadblocks and reconnect with the wisdom of the body. I learned about the importance of embodiment and harnessing the power of emotions to get more of what you want from life. I started offering intensive one-to-one coaching packages and I launched my Grounded Goddess group program. I also wanted to create a free offering to help women understand the power of the mind, body, and emotions. I created the Grounded Goddess Blueprint. The Grounded Goddess Blueprint is a 43 page guide that will help you reconnect with what you want from life and teach you how to build your roadmap to create it. It will help you understand why you often find yourself going round in circles and engaging with self sabotage. If you feel stuck, overwhelmed or frustrated with lack of results, you want the Grounded Goddess blueprint. If you want clarity, understanding and more success, you want the Grounded Goddess blueprint. Just go over to groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash blueprint and grab your copy. That's groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash blueprint.
1: You can find more about me Shay at shaydia.com.
0: You can find out more about me Anna at annamarshnutrition.co.uk and each week we will be bringing you inspiring content for a healthier and happier mind, body, heart and soul.
1: So welcome everybody to another episode of Kombucha and Colour. I am Shay and with me today I have the beautiful Donna Noble. And Donna Noble is actually a very special person to me. I don't know if she actually knows this, but I consider Donna to be actually one of my very first yoga teachers. And I think you were the first yoga teacher that I had that was like the first consistent teacher that I went to like all the time. And so I want to just start by saying that, that you are one of my favorite yoga teachers for that reason, because you kind of started me in my journey of yoga um, in the Bikram Studio at Wimbledon. But Donna has just had such a beautiful like evolution of her yoga teaching in terms of where she's going and how she advocates now for this body positivity, which we'll get into in the show. Um, she's a Black yoga teacher, so she does a lot of work with raising awareness about perhaps any sort of the struggles and the things that Black people are facing in this wellness space. And we want to get into that. And I just want her to, I want to give her the space to, be able to share to this audience who's perhaps maybe a wider audience who needs to listen to and hear from people who have been through a different experience to us. So thank you, Donna, for taking the time to come and chat with us. Welcome to the show. And thank you, Shay. I'm honoured. And, um, and even more so
2: now to find out that I was your first consistent yoga teacher. I remember you at 6.30 a.m. Or whatever, <laughs> was, on your mat in Vikram and I lived in Stretton. So I had to come all the way across southwest London to get there. So and I remember you there and the friendship we formed. that you, you know, how our lives have interwoven all those times where you've designed my, you know, my logo, my amazing yes. logo that's everywhere. And my, my t-shirts, my branding, it's all down to you. So had that. And here I am again today on your podcast. I feel honest. So thank you.
1: Oh, well, thank you. It, it has been such a beautiful organic relationship and it's just, I always see you online and I kind of keep touch with what you're doing. And obviously like the work that I've done with you, like graphic work, and it's just been such a really good You've been a positive influence in my yoga career, I would say. So thank you. And and, and no, thank you, Shay, because you're (laughs) and I need to join
2: you because I think my creativity's gone, even though I don't believe that. But I but the way in which you just come out, so you inspire me and I'm hopefully when I've got more time, I'll be doing more of that as well because
1: um, I you me in that sense as well so thank you. Awesome well before we get on to what's taking up your time at the moment can we start with just give us a background about how you got into yoga because you weren't you weren't doing this forever you had another whole like line of career which I've asked, actually asked you about this ages like when we first met but give us a background about how you got into yoga why you started this journey. This journey kind of started accidentally a friend of mine
2: or colleague as well she one day was browsing one of the newspapers and saw a picture of Madonna with her leg behind her head in a yoga pose. And she was very much influenced by what the, um, the celebs were doing at the time. And she said, Don, let's do yoga. And I said, okay, fine. Not realizing that little innocent suggestion of where I would be today with it. So she got the yoga mats and we were very lucky um, at that time to have a, another colleague who was trained to be a yoga teacher. And so we became her guinea pig. So we'd go down to the boardroom because I was working in a, in a corporate life environment at that point point. So we used to go down and just do some yoga poses and started to like it. And I don't know what happened if she left or it wasn't as convenient, but then I decided to actually wanted to start a more regular yoga practice and found a beginner's class and actually went to an absolute beginner's class. It's like funny now that even then back in the late 1990s that I didn't want to go to a class where everyone seemed to know what they were doing and um, basically had this on affair with yoga life got in the way. say it falls the, the the wayside. But uh, um, so about a few years later, I started my master's degree, and I thought I'll have no time for this yoga because it wasn't it hadn't taken hold. It it was still a <laughs> hobby. So it's like I, I I won't have time for this, and gave it up for about three or four years. And when I started another job. Um, basically, they had an in-house gym and they introduced yoga. And I thought, okay, it's on. It's literally on my doorstep. And then during my lunch break, I I could go and I went and I loved it. It was a dynamic form of yoga and I loved it. Did that, and then along the way, Shay, I became ill with Bell's palsy, and um, so just basically one one night went to bed, woke up, and the right side of my face was drooping. I thought I had a stroke. And everyone said, no, it's not a stroke because it'd be in your entire body. And my main employee at the time had ex- experienced that with another colleague and told me what he thought it was. And he was right. When I got it diagnosed, so that was what it is. And had it for a few years. But it was the journey of yoga that allowed me to heal and allowed me to kind of accept it and just get on with life. And I sort of accepted it that, that my face would be the way it was. It was very, a very visible illness. And so um, that's why I've become very body positive, but we'll go into that later. So again, realizing how if you listen to the body and let it relax, how it can heal itself, because that's what happened mm-hmm. for me. And so for years I was still there. Yoga was just a hobby, and a friend of mine kept saying, You need a plan B. And I thought, why do I need a plan B? And he said, Well, we're gonna be made redundant because we were going through various um, stages of redundancy. And I think it was the third iteration of redundancies that we were called into a little bit like X Factor. And there was one room where you were okay. One where your job was gone. Oh, one your job may be okay. And I was in the room where my job had gone. It was the org chart was there. There was my job. The next slide, it had gone type thing. And at that stage, actually, because of my friends saying about the plan B, I decided to do a, a yoga course. Cause my family's not very fit or healthy. And they're just sitting at home. What during retirement, I thought I can't Im- imagine that for myself. So let me do something I love. And yoga at the time was what I loved. So I, I was studying for exams and I thought, okay, let me do a course. And you can tell, Shay, that I didn't even want to do it. Anything I do, I want it done here and now. But I chose a course that was, I think it was 18 months. And it was like, so I could afford one weekend per month to go into a yoga studio and spend that time learning yoga that that maybe when I retired, that I could, you know, I'd have a hobby that I could teach and fall back on and, and parked it there. And so it was during that course, actually, that that happened, during that time that happened. And everyone goes, you're really calm. Why aren't you, you know, upset? And everyone was like crying or whatever, upset. They'd been there a long time. And, I started, and maybe then I started to sort of go with the flow of life. And it's when I was doing a master NLP practitioner course, and she's sort of um, the, one of the trainers said, what's going on with this? I don't know what to do. You know, I've got to apply for these jobs that I've got no chance of getting because we all had to go through this um, reapplying for jobs. And there are people that were in the role already and they would get it over me. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's a redundant exercise. She said, well, you actually, you know what you want to do. I said, no, I don't. She said, yes, you do. She said, on, on do you, know?" And she said, when you talk about yoga, you light up. And when you talk about corporate, you don't. I hadn't even realized that, Shane. In that moment, I was doing hot, Bikram hot yoga. Come to South London, because before I refused it, it's like, I don't need the hot yoga. I can warm myself from the inside out. I don't need this. But when it came to Balham, I, I had no charge. <laughs> you know, I had to go and, and, and try it out. It was like 30 pounds for 30 days, so like one pound a day. So it was like, and I didn't have to travel or go across the river to try it. And a friend of mine said she'd come with me. So the Sunday, it was the bank holiday Monday. So the Sunday night, unfortunately, I'd gone out and got drunk, Shay, did all the things that I shouldn't done. Woke up in the morning and I would have keeled over if I'd even attempted to get in the big future. <laughs> studio. But I, thought I, I know it. that feeling. Yeah, that, yeah exactly. <laughs> You've been there. So, yeah. so I, I, if I go for the nine o'clock class or whatever t- class it was, 10 o'clock class, I thought I'm going to keel over. I'm going to make a fool of myself. But there was a class at five o'clock and I thought, give myself time to kind of let the hangover go. I still had the hangover, but I was I was better. My friend blew me out, but I was still determined to go. Because I thought if I don't go, I'm so busy at work, I won't get to go again. But I want to go and see what all the fuss about. So I went, Shay. So hung over, had drunk no water, went to what I late discovered. You've been to about in the hottest part of the room in the corner by the door. So I went there <laughs> not knowing. And had the and had the strictest teacher ever that's now a good friend. So all these things, Shay, I didn't sit down. I'm proud to say I didn't leave the room, Shay, and I didn't sit down. And I came (laughs) out, the hangover had gone. I was like, oh my God. And I just felt amazing, Shay. And so I think that's when the real love affair with yoga took place. I had a stressful job and it was the only yoga, Shay, that would get me like you on the mat at 6am in the morning, 6am in the morning, never unheard of. I was not a morning person, but something just took hold of me, Shay. And I, I die on that mat some mornings, but I came out feeling reborn. I remember getting on the, on the tube and getting weird looks because I was sweating because I had no time to cool down. <laughs> so everyone was like, what's going on? It's cold and she's sweating like whatever. What's going on? And I loved it. And during that time on the master NLP course, I then had the brainwave. I thought, okay, let me finish the, the tri-yoga training course because I was coming towards the end of that. 35, but I was a little bit burnt out from the corporate world. And I thought what I can then do, there's so many big cream yoga studios I can – Go to LA for nine weeks and come back and start teaching. I'd have to set up my own classes, so I thought I wanted to be like a hippie yoga teacher. So Shay, I got on the plane in the fo- the following April, I think certified, were qualified. Um, we try yoga, had some time to kind of chill, and then was set to go to LA in the following April on my own. Shay, nothing was really kind of planned. It was in those that that moment. So let me take this time just to chill. I can come back to this corporate because the company I worked for was such. So well known that I could take the time off. It was such a good name on my CV. I'd still get job offers. So I could take that time off. So I got on the plane. All my friends say, say that I changed. They, they, they didn't think I was coming back. So I went for nine weeks. I stayed for six months. I just loved it. Nine weeks of the course, I was going to stay for two more weeks, so 12 weeks and travel around and teach. So Everyone's like, if you can... Get the experience of teaching there. It's going to be difficult to come back to your mm. home studio and teach in front of people. You know, you know, everyone wants to come to that first class. You don't come, but they want to support you, and you understand what mm. they what they want to do. And I, I, went to New York and taught and taught after the the, the TT certified, and then went to Texas, and I, I loved it. I was in a yoga bubble shape for six months, and I loved it. I trained with four hundred plus stu- training teachers and 28 countries so it was the exposure to yogis from around the world and it was it was you know life-changing experience yeah. I, I I you know I I still some of like some of them are still very good friends now and I've actually got to see them around the world and we're still in connection and it's nice to see their journey and their progress and I don't care what people say about Bikram and as you know it works it works mm. it works it works you know you know we're going to get every time you the changes in your body mentally physically you know, no one can take that away from the yoga itself. It works mm, categorically. Mm, and I mm. came back, Shay, and um, I think my family to come and drag me back. If the, and my visa ran out, so I had to come back anyway. And it was so unplanned. My house was empty, Shay. I hadn't even rented it out. So I hadn't planned to stay. So that's why I started to go with the flow. And I think once I was there, Shay, that's when my body positively um, influenced started to, to occur, I think, because I had to teach to so many different bodies. So unconsciously, I think it was starting to happen then. Because when I came up to London, I looked around, Shay, it was like, you guys don't know about yoga because yoga has been more established in America. So they respect teachers out there, Shay, you know, mm. not like London, mm. they don't, you'll just teach them, whatever. And so from there, I think unconsciously started to come through. Came back, was teaching at London, Shay, running around. You know, I used to go to Brighton. I used to teach in Bournemouth. Where there was a class, Shay, I would be there just to get the, the experience of teaching the, the Bikram yoga. Mm. So I kind of moved away from my vinyasa, my half of, and became more Bikram, um, more aligned in that respect. And I think it was about a year and a half later, I said, I can't, I can't keep this up. I can't keep teaching. I think I wasn't even teaching the most. I was teaching like 10, 15, 10 to 12 classes a week. And it was like, this is just too much. I'm gonna burn out. I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. I thought maybe I have to try and get back into corporate, see if I can find a compromise part-time. But I was management, so it was, it was so hard to sort of achieve that. And it was when um, I was reading an article about a journalist called Deborah Cockling. She's a, a curvy journalist, and she wrote about her experience at yoga studios and how being the largest person in the room, she, she was stared at by these fellow practitioners and ignored by the teachers. And I didn't know how impacted by that article I was because I kept talking about it to my friends, and I'm like, well, I, well, shut up or do something about it. So then I knew that I'd sort of, you know, tired of that. Um, they were tired of hearing me saying something about it. And then I was having coach at the time and I mentioned that. And I said, well, what can you, what can I do about it? Well, will find the name. And I liked the word and I thought I need something that's going to make it stand out. So people know it's different. And then that was back in 2015, I think it was. And I like the word wholesome, but wholesome to me sounds like bread. And I thought, wholesome yoga? It's like, you know, bread, you know. And I, thought, <laughs> and I and then your I, brain. <laughs> exactly. And then I loved the word curvy, but at the time I thought, at the time I'd searched and found every permutation of curvy had gone, like curvy yoga, curvy girl had gone. But I was wrong. But anyway, I then thought, I had this brainwave, why don't you put curve and then sum together? And mm. that's how Curse On You Go kind of came about. And I think I remember, Shay, I, I was told to get a logo and I went to one of those websites where you pay pence or whatever. And I told them what the logo was about and it was complete crap. And I came to you, Shay, I think, oh, I do I know that's drawing. Shay, I, think <laughs> I, just, I gave you, just told you briefly what it was and you came up with the, with the perfect logo. You just were able to transform. For what I was in my brain in, onto paper, you know, and it's now jewellery. And um, well, we'll go on to that. But it's so much yeah. more now. And the yoga, everyone sees it, everyone knows what it is. It's such a strong, strong brand that epitomizes yeah. what I was trying to convey, convey at the time. And um, so Curse and it came about. Still didn't know shit at that point if it was needed. Still didn't know. And I was influenced by people like Diane Bondi, Dana mm. Falsetti, um, just I mean, Stanley, because they were in the state starting the, the body positive movement. And I was able to meet them when they came to London. And for mm-hmm. me, when I went to the Om Yoga show, and it's something I didn't plan to do for years, Because, said, you need to go to Om Yoga. And I thought, no, even just before Curvesome come you need to go, you know, see, and, and have a stand. And I hid for a long time behind Curvesome. No one knew it was me, because I, I had friends that challenged me and said, Donna, how can you teach to curvy people? You're not curvy. And then mm-hmm. for a long time, it's like, how can I, you know, they may be right. And then until somebody said, well, you don't have to be gay to advocate gay rights. And I thought, you know mm-hmm. what, you're right. And I thought, isn't it better that I'm doing something that no one else is doing than have no one do it because I don't look like these individuals? And it's like, we, look, we, know, we don't have to look like someone to do it. So I then had an epitome because I rang them up this time, actually got the costing, I almost fell off my chair, but I can't afford this at all. It's not even budgeted. So I had this epitome a few weeks later, epitome even, and um, thought, why don't you crowdfund it? Amazing. And I thought, okay. And then I, I, I messaged a friend in America who was sort of doing curvy, body positive stuff. And she said, you, she said what did you mean by that? Because it's called something else in America. She didn't understand what I was trying to say, and I told her what it was. And she goes, of course. She said, Donna, you inspire me. And once she said that, she but I called back out. So I, went, I came home that night and set the page up. And I was dealing with, um, speaking to Lisa Riley, the actress, because she was curved at the time and, and I wanted ambassadors and we were liaising about her maybe working with me. So I mentioned to her, she, I think she gave me like, she donated like £20 that night. And then I put it out. Then I thought, okay. And, it, and, and the money started to come in. I think within four weeks I got the, the cost of the stand from family and friends. I didn't have to go out any further than that. And um, I went to the Om Yoga show, Shay, and I signed up so late. I wasn't even the program. So no one knew I was there, you know, other than people I told I was at the, I was at the back of Alexander Palace. So it's only if you did the full circumference of it then you find me. And the reaction I got, Shay, was the answer I wanted. The reaction I got, mm-hmm. I got hugs. You're the only person here dealing with anyone over size twelve. And I began mm-hmm. to know that what I was doing, there was a need for it in the UK because in, obviously in America mm-hmm. it's slightly different. But then I knew then it was doing, and that's how I became body positive i've done training just to make sure that anyone that comes into my class i can i can train them i've even done aqua yoga now bed yoga you know the yoga for all with Diane bonding other ones as well so that i i understand and i can adapt the postures to anyone that comes into my class that no one will feel that they've been left behind or ignored Mm. on the yoga mat and that was back in 2015 and you know it's not been easy because with the whole yoga industry the imagery that's out there. People don't Mm. see themselves. They don't think that they can do something. And I think I was still hiding a little bit, so people didn't necessarily find me, you know, in that respect. It's taken time to find out where, you know, my audience were. So I'd go to where they were and talked about yoga. I didn't actually do a class. I had to then maybe explain the benefits of yoga for them to maybe want to try the yoga. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been. And that's how I've become body positive because doing that Bikram journey as well, Shay, I came across people that had PTSD, people that were disabled and the Bikram helped them. And because of that, I began to understand that it's not about me I, you know, I won't force someone to do something because I don't know what's going on behind it. Or, you know, I remember there was an incident where I asked someone, you know, that when we do the breathing posture, we say cross the thumbs and release the index finger and someone couldn't do that. And I didn't understand why. I kept the system that they were doing and they showed me that they didn't have the fingers there. And that was a very big, big learning curve for me that not everyone would have the ability to do mm. what I'm asking. So to use my eyes more and to, mm. um, and not just ask someone to do something for the sake of understand why they may not do it. Because they when I didn't need to do that to be, you know, and they don't teach you these these things really at some of the training courses that I'd been to. It's like just do this, that's the way it's done. And um pretty much so. And that's yeah, and that's I've been doing this now, Shay, for a long time and it's evolved and I've done more and more, and I've got known for doing it more so now. And now I love the fact, Shay, that when I go onto a class, I can actually say I don't really see size because anyone that comes into the mat I can modify it and I just let them feel comfortable because I will actually advertise class and say for size 16s only because I will put beginner and they're still not coming I'd put a complete mm. beginner they're still not coming but by saying size 16 not solely for them but they will come to the mat so it's almost yeah. like well what do I have to say to to let people know that it's okay for them to come in the class because all people want to do Shay is still safe they want yoga they're waiting they may not be coming to the mat readily but they want the yoga and i said time and time again and you hear the stories i've been wanting to come for years but i've been afraid or they have ventured on the mat and they've been traumatized by an experience they've had in some classes and some of them won't ever come back some are brave enough to come back but some we will lose them as teachers we have a responsibility to realize that people are making themselves vulnerable to us by coming on on the yoga mat and we need mm. to respect that and meet them where they are
1: Mm, I absolutely love that. And you know what, there's, there's so many things that you've said that really resonate with me. And, and first of all, this idea of creating a safe space. That is, this is for you specifically. Mm. It's not something that you're welcome to come to this class where I'm teaching everybody else. Mm. And what you said earlier, it was at the very beginning of your conversation, you said, you were you weren't sure if this was needed in London. Mm. And I think that's so true because if we think of quote unquote, a yoga situation, a yoga class, mm in my head, I don't see plus size people because yeah. they're not represented. They're not in the space. And so you kind of have this feeling of, is it necessary? Are there, are, is it needed? Because it's not showing up in the classes. Yeah. And I think what you're doing is, is providing a space where it's like, this is for you. Yeah. This is for you specifically. And just hearing how you are teaching the room, it sounds like this is more about being present with each and every single yeah. student that you're with And how can I actually help this person in front of me rather than I'm just repeating something that I've been told to repeat. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the thing because,
2: because when when I came back to London from LA and I looked around the room, it was, I began to notice there, maybe because I was so busy in the corporate life, I used to just finish Shay like we all do get my mat and go and I wouldn't even be mm. aware of who was in the room but by slowing down and having that time away and coming back and I could see that where I was there was more diverse students in America but when I came back to London it was that typical yoga body that we we've now been mm. we've learned that people are saying are mm. yoga bodies and I thought oh so where's everyone then and people were saying oh I'm I'm, I'm you know I need to lose weight I look at you think, you're still than me and it's like you don't understand this and it was like I began to then maybe look around the room and that's for me when I began to notice that that I was in the minority, and I think I got kind of used to it being in a corporate environment again because I'd either be one of the few people of colour in corporate. So maybe I got used to assimilating. And so when it came into yoga, it was a similar thing as well that I was used to. That sometimes I'm the only person of colour, and I'm the one leading the class.
1: Mm. i actually want to speak about that because i think this relates so much to what you're saying about this idea of having a space that is representative for people that are plus size yeah. but it's 100 percent exactly the same for people of color for people yeah. who want to feel like they're in a safe space that they're part of a community so yeah. maybe if, if you want to explain a little bit more about your experience of being being a black yoga teacher in this very white centric kind of wellness space in the uk and yeah perhaps what we can do as white yoga teachers to help make it feel safer and more inclusive for people of color to join yeah. our classes. Yeah. But I,
2: I, um, I had to write a, a, a chapter for someone's book the other day and it was about my journey as a black yoga teacher. And um, what was quite funny that my journey was very diverse in the beginning because my first yoga teacher was, uh, was Indian. My, the following teacher was mixed race. And then there were two teachers that had a studio in Clapham and they were black. So I had a very diverse beginning, and I compare that to now. It's mm-hmm. less diverse. So in that time, and the West has embraced the yoga more and more. It's become very, it's less diverse. So I think maybe that's mm-hmm. why it didn't stop me from getting in there. But as a teacher, Shay, and I I, you know, as I said before, I, I will be the only person of color in there. Is experiences I have, you know, that I feel like to with anything I've done in my life, tried to be twice as good to try and get mm-hmm. equity because that's what was instilled in me growing up that you know things won't always be equal because of the virtue of my skin and, and then you know you get people shade like fellow teachers you know they say I don't see color and if they don't see color to me that's an insult I know mm. that it's not something that they intend to be an insult but the fact this and that comes down to privilege that the fact that mm. if I walk into a shop or someone I know walks in a shop because they, they're black that they may get followed because of the color of their skin they're not judged on their ability but because of this stereotype they're being judged on that and that's where teachers need to have privilege need to be aware of and acknowledge that Mm. because there is implicit bias and privilege that people need to just address you know because it's it's, it's, we're in a time where it is difficult but just listen and learn and be open to learn or even spiritual bypass and say you know if Mm. I come to you Shay and say something and you tell me love and peace love and peace You know, that's Mm. your privilege that you can dismiss that. But you're dismissing my lived experience, you know. And Mm. if you're, as a teacher, Shane, you you know, say, for instance, we're in a scenario and you saw that something happened or a remark was made, you might dismiss it thinking that they didn't mean anything by it. But that's the start of it. And that's where it it can grow because it's almost like you're condoning it. And it's like, Mm. what can you do? And and that's where people have, have been really, really helpful. And you can see it's not performative allyship that there's real true allyship there in that respect because i've been in a class day where people have seen me come to cover i'm not the cover the normal teacher and they've walked out and i can only assume that's because of the color of my skin or uh, you i talk to someone a particular, particular way and they've taken offense in it because again they don't like being t- spoken to by a black person and so, you know, after class, say a lot of the students, they ask for feedback. So, something that you might have said, like, you know, big club, we try and say, if you're a beginner, please go to the back. Something as simple as that because we want the front row to be the strong way because you're the, you're the one that's guiding the room or leading the room. And people mm-hmm. have taken offense at that and said, I, I was really rude. And, and I've had people have to come and defend me and say, no, it wasn't the case. Or they've gone back. so they, They've come to me, believing the, the student over me and then gone back. And the teachers, the students have time to calm down. So oh, maybe I was having an off day. But the fact that they took that student's word over mine and they have had never ever had really any complaints and they've not looked at that it's about the money sometimes or the, I don't know what it's about, but they don't always take my side. So again, mm. that's have to see. So I have to be very careful. I can say something in one way and I could have a white colleagues the same thing. And it's a different experience in, in that respect. And even as a woman that, you know, you can have male teachers say something to another male and they'll respect that male over the fact that someone's a woman. Mm. They don't respect maybe women in that respect. So it's a similar thing, but again, with the color of my skin. And so those are some of the experiences that I've, I've had in that respect or not specifically yoga, but where I've got a very English name you can't tell you know where I'm from but I've gone in and people have been stunned when they see that I'm a a, a black person so these are things Mm. that I've had to sort of put up with in in that respect
1: Mm. well something that I uh, this has also been a very big journey of me of recognizing my own white privilege and a lot of unpacking and learning that I've had to do but something that I am just like listening to your story and like learning from you in how you have number one, created a very specific class for people of plus size. Mm. And then you have gone out to those communities and sought those people to invite them into the space. And I think mm. like that as a white yoga teacher, like that would be something that white white centered studios or, t- or studios that are not as representative, like mm. that's a really good, powerful tool. Like how can we create maybe a class that is for people of color only and how can we go out into those communities and invite them in and feel yeah. like this is your space for you. And yeah. um, so, yeah, like I will definitely suggest that to the studios that I work for. Yeah. So I think because, that is and, it.
2: and it's, yeah. And even if you find that, you know, as long as you don't go in into those communities as a savior, you know, this, yeah. you put yeah, a savior yeah, yeah. syndrome, then you, you're not going to offend mm. anybody, but if they mm. don't really want to come, what you can do, they can offer scholarships, maybe that someone, if they run a teacher training program that someone from that community can come and, take the teaching and take it back in that community and also studios yeah. need to also look at where they're placing their studios it's not in areas where yeah. they you know where there's not money or there's not affluence you look at some of the affluent areas and who are the community in those areas and not it's not a diverse community they're in those areas mm. so that's what needs to be looked at as well and are you offering free classes as well you know, like mm. as well to say, and, and sometimes those don't work because they, those times, those free classes are being offered is when people are working. Mm. So they can't get to So they're on the day when the studio's not busy.
1: Mm. So you're not mm-hmm. going to get as
2: many people to go there. So those are things they need to look at. And you know, people and I and I'm doing a lot of these courses now with the body positive courses because I'm I you know I I went to where they were and people did challenge me. said, so how can you have a class? And I still get it for over size sixteen. And I said, well, well, you have pregnancy classes. So what? Mm-hmm. No one's questioning that. So why now you're challenging something else? And and even like I saw in a, in um a, in, a, in one of the UK teachers group yesterday. Someone was asking for a body positive teaching. Someone said, Well, all classes are body positive. It's like, No, because they, mm. they should be, but they're not. And all classes should be accessible because yoga is accessible, but it's the teachers that aren't making it accessible. That's the difference mm.
1: Mm.
2: because of the lack of teaching.
1: Mm. what would you say is the responsibility of the teacher? Like what are some things that we could start implementing to make sure that our classes are more accessible to a wider variety of bodies? Is it simply slowing down? Is it taking extra trainings, like reading more, engaging yeah. with other people? Like what would that look like? Do you so think? first what you can do is I, I've done more training because I, I
2: didn't naturally know, What to do, so I took training where it was specifically body positive or accessible yoga so that Mm -hmm. I could know then how to be creative and you know how to adapt the postures and also so I understand the bodies, understand the limitations of somebody. You know, like you know, the step through in downward dog for someone with with a larger body, it's not going to be easy because a part of their body might be getting in the way. So I understood how they could take their foot out to the side and bring it forward or the use of blocks and props to make it more accessible. So Mm -hmm. I learned that through training. And so that's what you can do. But also a lot of teachers, because I did a workshop at the weekend and there were teachers that that do restorative or pregnancy yoga. So some of them know how to break the postures down. So it's just being open to do that and being open to learning in in the class as well, because I'm always learning all the time. And I, I make mistakes. Mm. It's not rocket science, but I still make mistakes. And I'm a student just like they are. They're teaching me and I'm there and I meet them where they are. I don't go in there with any expectation. I don't try and push them into anything, but I give them, I empower the mistakes their body. And I say, if you want to line your mat for the entire time and just a mm. Charles pose or savasana, that too is yoga. If you mm. want to just sit there and breathe, that too is yoga. But what they see and what's, Teachers invariably show Shay is some wonderful posture in a wonderful mm. location with a leg behind the head. And if mm. I was a, a student looking at that, I wouldn't even want to venture on the map because it's like I can't do that. I'm yeah. not flexible at all. And what we need to do is be very aware of the imagery we're putting out there on our on our social media feeds. You know, mm. put ourselves in those students' shoes. If they saw that image, with you saw that image, would you go to a class? And the invariably mm. people will say no. Because, mm. you know, we wouldn't have to do it. We need to, you know, sometimes go back to our beginner, how we were as beginners. You know, we weren't, mm. well, I do believe we're, we're born yogis, but we lose it along the way. But, you know, to a time when we couldn't do headstand immediately, you know, we need to mm. learn those things. But remember that for maybe postures that aren't as advanced you know mm. to that person and just take it back and, and just be open and you know it's you know there's times when I maybe not know something but I'll say I'll find out and come back to you and I'll go mm. and find out how to modify that pose and just be creative because the other day I was teaching I think it was boat pose and a lot of my students couldn't get the legs up so what I then do you know you roll up and down on your back you use a momentum so you can come to standing we did it for bow and they could hold bow amazing and they got the strength then eventually they got so strong they could come up and do the conventional way but it was just giving them another way to access it and a lot of them when they come as well show they can do so much more than they believe they Mm -hmm. just believe society's told them you're a certain age you're a certain size you're certain gender you can't do this you can't do that but i believe the yoga mat is where you can realize the body's potential and that's what i give my my students and they come amazed i have students that come and they will do the most deep backbend, and not even realize they're going very deeply until i photograph them and show them and then you can see the confidence and they mm. will take that off their mat shape into their
1: everyday life mm. and that gift of empowerment is unparalleled to anything else like that is essentially what yoga is it's that an empowerment in a deep sense, not in like a ego sense, but yeah. like, wow, this is like, it's, it's a place of self love that you drop yeah. into. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and just, and just letting them know shade. And
2: I always say it's okay to fall at the porch. I told them they're going to fall. I say being yogi is getting back in it. So there's no frustration. Mm-hmm. The ego not coming. Cause some of the, the curvy students will come in shame. They'll be so competitive. You know, they'll look at someone. I want to do that as well. And it's like, you know, that's not yoga, guys. There's no competition in yoga. Take your time; it's a journey, you know. And I say it's not about being perfect. It's a yoga practice. And then mm. you bring those in, and you can see when they slow down and they embrace it. And then you can show them how they've advanced. I always use uh, what's is it um, is it hyper speed? Shay, when you speed up the, the video, oh yes, yeah, hyperlapse. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, hyperlapse. So I'll say to them, when "I'm ready." I'll say, "Oh, let's do a little video." Just so I get them. I'll do it hyperlapse, and then they can see Shay how in unison they are. Because in the beginning they're looking around. When they first come on the mat, they want to look around, and then when they start to know the names, the postures, and they kind of get to know the the sequence, and they they trust the body, yeah. Mm. And they so make them they see that, and you can and they and they don't realize, and they come with so little expectations. Shane, in the weeks like they come and say, oh, "I didn't feel I could balance," and yeah, you can. You know, if you're gonna just go into into tree pose, you just randomly going to, you're gonna fall out. But when we teach them to root the foot down, engage the parts that what they should do. Then they've gone. It's like it's down to you, Donna. No, it's not. You always had it, mm. but I just guide you. then like, you just I was just guiding you a little bit and you had it in you in yeah. the first instance. And that's what I love say when i when they can do what they you know what they, they can. And they come, Shay, I've got students that come, I did a 30-day challenge, they've gone on to another one, and they're now doing an intermediate and a, a beginners plus intermediate, I've got them doing crow and they thought they couldn't do crow. So I use bodies mm-hmm. that look like them to show them doing crow so they can then think, you know what, I can actually do this. It's plus possible. I it's possible. Yeah. So I, I don't, and I don't just like say, just do basic stuff, Shape. there's a journey that they will come, you know, and, and lift their body up if that's what I want to do because it's possible. I've seen other yogis do it and that's the good thing about Instagram because, I, you know, you've got the jessamines that will share their practice and you can mm-hmm. see what they're doing. So it's like, guys, Yes, just and you guys can do it too, and it just yeah. makes them want
1: amazing so what what is I know you've got like you're kind of moving away a little bit from yoga teaching specifically mm. because of all the, teach, all the work that you're doing now with yoga, teaching yoga teachers and you've got books coming out and you know you've got amazing things on the horizon so what does the world of Donna look like in the next 18 months or so I'm, I'm not quite sure because you know Shay, I just embrace the process of life
2: but the process yeah it's is good, it, it's, good. <laughs> it's, it's guiding it, you to a good place a good place yeah but it, um, what am I doing um, the books Shay, so body positive book. I think it's how to make your yoga body positive. So I've got to finish that. And that's come out. That's a book for teachers. So that I've got to write that. I I blog Shay, I write, and I've been asked to do quite a few collaborations. I'm doing festivals um, like around the, you know, online but around the world. people are coming to me, they're loving what I'm doing. And I think because of what I've been doing, more people seem to Shay want to be more diverse, more inclusive, whether it's by, mm. by colour or by size. And so I seem to be getting arts for more content for teachers. So I seem to be doing more for teachers. So it's almost like there's only one of me, I can only do so much, but then I can, I can share that out and just see what's happening there. So at the moment, I don't think I'll be out teaching in students as much. You know, it might be doing more workshops, but now it seems to be just just the book and the, uh, the teacher content. And I love it because I, I, I'm so heartened to see that there's so many teachers out there that mm. actually are looking at what they're offering and see there's a, a, a lack in their knowledge or in mm-hmm. the people they're offering it to, and they can see there's a need for what the, the gift we have to, to share, mm-hmm. that they're educating themselves to do that. And I'm also finding I'm speaking more to the Black Lives Matter because I think at a time like this, Shay, like yourself, you're learning more, but I can understand that some teachers are afraid about what to say in case they say something wrong. Mm-hmm. And we understand that, but as long as it's coming a, a, a genuine place, you know, people they will forgive you but as long as you're open to learning and to use your privilege and that what a lot of people have been doing Shay as well is like and you did that as well with the you, you were generously put me in contact with the elephant journal when they came to you is sharing my voice like giving me a platform for me to to be seen a little bit more and that's happening more and more a lot of people are asking me to do that and the other thing I'm doing as well Shay because I've seen that um I think only 56 percent of the Black population are actually doing the prerequisite sixty minutes of exercise as mandated by the British Medical Examiner. So what I'm hoping to do, Shay, it was going to happen in September. We're going to do it online now. Is it's called Noir Fit Fest, and it will be the a Black Fitness Festival. So what we're doing is showcasing Black fitness professionals, that anyone is welcome to join. So just highlighting and giving them a platform of voice as well. So it's another thing that I'm working on at the moment. Another project I'm working at the moment as well. So that's and that's going
1: to be September.
2: Yeah. And that's going to be online. Okay. So yeah. So it's just, it, 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 it's well-being and fitness. So it's, it's doing those kind of things as well. And obviously other projects, just teaching and hopefully, you know, teacher training stuff, I might be doing that. Cause that seems to be maybe something I need to do, like, you know, have a body positive, you know, teacher training program as well that, that can be added. Cause I think when I was training, I don't know with you, shape there were certain elements of things that weren't covered. Mm-hmm. So hopefully students now will cover that in future courses that they have to offer. So that can they mm. the teachers coming out will have the tools they can to teach to a more diverse population because people now Shay, are turning up on the mats and they're not waiting to mean writing when they want, they want to mm. have access to yoga. And with COVID, we we can, we've seen how much yoga can help. And but mm. a lot of people haven't been able to because they've just been being shy to or afraid to have people had people say sign up for my programs and email me like so I'm just so anxious, and no matter how much I try to reassure them because of what they've
1: seen or heard say it's been hard to to turn that around for them from what i can hear like what you're saying in terms of diversity is how important it would be for every single yoga teacher training to have like at least one module on diversity and you are the perfect person to go into every single yoga teacher training in London and be like, this is my module that I'm offering you because yeah. it's so important for us. Yeah. So, and
2: even body positivity, because again, it can come on the same umbrella, but yeah, it, you touch, it can touch on that as well, because even just about size, there's a lot of misconceptions because I, you know, you can't tell a yogi by their size, you know, you mm. can't expect, you know, that because someone's slim, you think, oh, they're going to get the leg behind their head. No, that's not mm. the case at all. Mm. And because someone's curvy, you can't, you can't make the assumption that they're, they're unhealthy. You just can't mm, tell because mm. you know, and that's what we, you you learn that when they the student comes in front of you, you can see what they can do as they start to um, their practice starts to unfold in front of you. Then you can make that you can make the judgment and help them, you know, and give and and the, the goal of yoga. What I like to see Shay is that every star, not every star, but a, a yoga class will have someone potentially in a wheelchair, someone on the floor, and someone standing up that's when you mm. call it truly inclusive or truly accessible, mm. that everyone's in there doing their own thing. Because when I did the accessible yoga training course, what I did at London, this didn't embrace it, I would start off in the chair. So if anyone else wanted to join me, they could, and I could show them what they wanted to do. And then everyone else would do the yoga in their, in their way. So you've got a, a mixed level class in one platform. That should be the way it should be at some point. Mm. But, you know, to start off with, we have to create the space. Because I know I did a fitness festival um it, it, was a, it was a it was a panel talk and we were all black fitness professionals and wellbeing professionals it was all it was for BIPOC community and the challenges they had Shay and that's what showed me that as you said before we need sometimes to create specific spaces for people so they can be safe they can be open and they can have experience or access to somebody that knows their lived experience because unfortunately not everyone's going to go for the experience that you've gone for and understand that and they may just be dismissed mm-hmm you know and that's the unfortunate thing until we learn and can let the students trust us we have to create those spaces And i don't think it's about division it's just creating a space for people and then as the time evolves then hopefully those classes will become more inclusive for everybody and everyone will feel safe in that one space and that's something we, we need to work towards
1: for the future Mm, absolutely love that so where could people if people want to find out more about you any of the programs that you're doing the workshops where can they get more donna in their lives so you and can more some yoga so you can find me um, on
2: the website which is the nobleartofyoga.co.uk or i'm all over social media under donna noble yoga or under curbsome yoga so instagram facebook yeah, and and um, and I, it's, sometimes it's hard to find me because the character from Doctor Who called Donna Noble as well. If you go <laughs> or Donna Noble London, you'll find me.
1: <laughs> but we we'll put all of these links into the show notes so that you can right. easily access them to to find yeah. Donna. Yeah. And is there is there any last message or thing that you want to share with everybody, or something else that you want to get off your heart, or something that you just want to share? I just
2: think that we're you know I'm seeing change with with the death of george floyd and i just hope that it's, it's going to be long term and it was so mm. heartening to see that it's everyone's coming together in that respect and that everyone will see that it's not a moment it's a movement and mm. that way we can create sustainable and long term change because yoga is about ahimsa and mm. us as teachers need to reflect on that in every aspect of our teaching how we interact with people and if you're seeing things ignoring them you know you really need to look at who you are as a, as a yogi and just go out there and you know find your communities people looking for you and just be vulnerable because and meet them where they are and that's what I did you know I didn't have a uh, I didn't have a plan and I didn't plan to become body positive and I don't know where I'm going to end up I know that whatever I'm doing there's more to this and I just need to which I am trusting the process and go with it but just be authentic be you and you'll find who you need to find they'll find you and just enjoy and be creative and I, you know that more than anything. Else, but be creative on the mat your mat's like a, a lab so when you have someone there that's maybe struggling with a posture you know think outside the box how can you make it more accessible for them And 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 remember your words have the power to inspire and to devastate no matter how Mm. simple and always remember that as teachers we're not nutritionists so don't go on the mat and start you know veganism clean eating because that's coming into yoga a lot more these days just be Mm. careful
1: well thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your insights um you really have inspired me not only in this conversation but just in your journey and my journey of being a teacher so i'm so grateful to to have you so thank you so much thank you for having me it's been a pleasure today (laughs) yeah and we'll look forward to hearing from you guys soon and go and check out donna on her instagram pages and you can go and follow her there so we'll see you again soon
0: bye Thank you for listening to another episode of Kombucha and Colour. If you have enjoyed or been inspired by our
1: conversations today, please leave a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. Don't forget to share with friends and family. This will help other women find inspiration to live life bright. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Come find
0: me, Shay, by searching Shea Dyer Yoga on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me, Anna, by searching Anna Marsh on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, you can always refer to the links in the show notes. See you next week.